On this episode of Real Christianity, we continue our conversation around the paralysis of pessimistic eschatology. Welcome to this episode of Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge, and we are not doing video for this episode. We are in the middle of moving our studio over the next few weeks uh, toward uh, our new location. It might be some time before we actually get back onto some video there, but we still need to get some audio content out there for you guys that are faithful listeners here to Real Christianity. And so we're going to continue our conversation today around pessimistic eschatology. I'm also fighting what I think is probably some form of uh, bronchitis or something. It's actually, I think, part of my um, chronic illness. I'm actually at this point now where I'm essentially having chronic bronchitis or some sort of chronic cough, some sort of inflammation in my airways at all times. It's been like this for on and off for about <clears throat> maybe six weeks now. And uh, so bear with me there. And thank you guys for all your prayers and your remedies. Um, the dilemma is that it's not necessarily just bronchitis. It's not like I'm dealing with one thing. It's more of like I have a mast cell activation syndrome issue where my body is essentially reacting to something else that is causing me to have some sort of inflammation. And it also could be part of a virus or whatever. This is the uh, matrix and the Bermuda Triangle of chronic illness that you don't really ever know. You just have to trial and error everything. But <clears throat> that being said, I wanted to tell you about one thing that we have just released that is a real game changer for uh, ReLearn. We launched the new ReLearn app, which is a library filled with uh, theological content for the Christian life. Um, it is a complete theological library for your family, uh, from marriage and parenting, church history, eschatology, doctrine, reform theology, uh, baptism, communion, all the things. And it's access to um, hundreds, maybe eventually thousands of audiobooks, ebooks, videos, courses. And it's all for a low monthly fee of $9.99 per month. Uh, that supports our ministry. So it's a great way to essentially support our ministry and you get something in return. And there are so many good books in there. Right now, for example, I'm listening to The Pastor and Prayer by E.M. Bounds. And guys, this book is absolutely slaughtering me. I mean, it is bringing so much conviction upon me regarding the discipline of prayer. It's just, it's wild. There's also, um, <clears throat> uh, my, my daughter was just listening to an audiobook that we have in there called um, Children's Edition of Remarkable Answers to Prayer. And they're just stories of remarkable answers to prayer. And uh, she fell asleep listening to that. And I thought that was a really sweet um, resource that's in the app. And we're adding new things every day that are going in there. So if you want a theological library for your family, uh, digital on your iPad, on your phone, uh, on your computer, uh, you can go to relearn.org forward slash app. You can see the library there. Just go up to the account section at the top right and uh, create an account. And um, if you create an account on the website, instead of creating an account through the app store, um, we get a little bit more money on our end because the app store takes some of that. Uh, but just wanted to let you know that that exists and we'd love to have you guys join us on the ReLearn app. All right, so on today's episode, we are continuing our conversation regarding pessimistic eschatology. 
Now we left off uh, talking about architecture and how architecture of the past where they would spend essentially, you know, centuries of building beautiful cathedrals and that today we, we don't invest much longer than maybe a year or two or three in building a church building. And there's something to be said about that. The, the beauty, the, the, um, just for a second, imagine thinking what kind of mindset or framework you would need to start something that your great, 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 great grandchildren might see finished. Um, it's something for the greater good. It's kingdom thinking, um, to build something that massive and that influential, you know, these beautiful cathedrals, what they do is essentially they are, uh, pieces of architecture that communicate, they point upward to God. You know, I recently, I think last week I told you guys about, uh, the Cologne cathedral was essentially this, uh, cathedral in Cologne, Germany. And you can look at it. The top of it actually forms a cross. And you have to think this was built way, way before airplanes, um, you know, were, were invented. And so it's just an amazing reality that they were building in a way, you know, that God would see the cross on the top of the roof. It's just really quite incredible. So for today, we're going to continue that discussion. I, I remember asking a friend, you know, why can't we build the way that they used to build? And he responded to me saying, we will never build the way they built until we believe what they believed. Uh, they believed in a long game kingdom view. Uh, they did not believe that Jesus was coming back in the next 30 or 40 or 50 years. And they were all dealing with wars and you know, uh, plagues and all types of other things that are going on just like we are in our generation. But they had a long-term view of history. And they understood that uh, the Great Commission would be fulfilled and that the kingdom would be established through the proclamation of the gospel by the means of the church. And so they were okay spending centuries building these incredible uh, monuments to the kingdom um, now, again, if, if they're empty without the gospel, then uh, we get the other dilemma, right? We have these beautiful buildings with no gospel. Um, <clears throat> that's the other problem. And the problem we have now is that we have these ugly buildings with the gospel, which I would prefer. Uh, the problem is we need both, right? So it's, it's like you don't want to house the people of God, which is a beautiful thing, in a paper bag, right? You, you also don't want to house... Um, a false gospel in a cathedral. Uh, that's just as, as wicked. And so what you want is you want um, a building that matches the uh, beauty of the message that is housed within it. Um, and so it's another you know thing why I like beautiful Bibles. I think Bibles uh, should be printed to the glory of God. Um, now, if you have a cheap Bible, you know, praise God. But I think that there is actually glory to be had in the fact that the Bible is the word of God and we should not print it on the crappiest paper that we could find. I think um, uh, Royal Youngblood in, gosh, some part of Europe is the best Bible printing paper on earth. Um, I think Schuyler Bibles is one of the great uh, Bible companies on earth. Uh, it's a Bible that I have. And, and I love those things. I think they're heirloom items. They, again, create long-term um, views on history. So... <clears throat> I want to move into essentially um, 
some points that really connect with this point of optimistic eschatology. Again, we're not saying that you need to become post-millennial. Uh, I'm not saying that you need to become um, even amillennial. I, I, what I'm saying is that you just need to be optimistic uh, because the scriptures are optimistic. So I'm going to run through a few points here and we'll see how far we get. <clears throat> Number one, Christ's work on the cross was not just a spiritual victory, but also a cultural victory. Um, cultures are made of people. And that is that you, you can't separate the change of people from the change of cultures. Um, now, Christianity is a totalizing faith. It changes our affections. It changes our moral constitution. Um, but it doesn't just change what we want to do. Um, it actually changes what we do. And uh, the spiritual, essentially, what will translate and manifest in the physical. I mean, that's really what the gospel does, right? The gospel is a spiritual message. It comes into physical beings, and it actually translates the physical things that they create. And so our companies will be Christian. Our schools will be Christian. Our political efforts will be Christian. Uh, and by God's grace, our, our neighborhoods and towns will be Christian. Uh, ultimately, the transformative power of the gospel does not only change hearts, but it actually changes societies. It changes lives. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So he's just saying that through us, a couple things. One, thanks be to God who in Christ leads us into essentially triumph, um, a triumphal procession. And through us, the church spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Um, the, the spiritual becomes material in, and the, the part of the fragrance of the knowledge of him is a beautiful church building. It's, it's a home that operates according to scripture. It's a business that does uh, ethical and uh, glorious moral work. Um, it's a um, medical practice that stands for righteousness. It's a school um, that trains people in uh, the Ten Commandments. And so um, I'll say this, saved people, love talking about their savior and faith uh, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of christ so jesus is not just subduing souls he's subduing cultures by subduing souls so evangelization will result in christianization and so we should see as the evangelization of the world occurs uh, the christianization of the world occurs and i think we've seen that historically uh, but the church will will never work for the transformation of society if it doesn't believe that society can be transformed. In other words, uh, we, we will never work to build a Christian civilization if we're constantly being told uh, at church that a Christian civilization cannot be built, which is exactly where the enemy wants us. Basically, if you believe that you cannot win, you will just... Uh, retreat and lose. And that is what we have been doing for the past hundred years. We just believe that it's only going to get worse and that, um, you know, Jesus is going to come back and mop up this mess. He does it all. We, we don't really do any of it. Uh, when, when the opposite view is true of the scriptures is that <clears throat> we are the body of Christ. We are the means by which Christ accomplishes his reign and rule over the world. Um, he, he works through us. Um, <clears throat> we are not 
um, able to do that without him. And the, the central means we do this is through the gospel, but uh, we also uphold righteousness as Christians in the land. And so um, that that is one point. Um, I'm going to do maybe one more point here. See how my lungs hang out here. Um, number two is the work of Christ. Uh, or sorry, the work of the church is the work of Christ. This is probably basically what I was just saying. But one of the common critiques of the post-millennial kind of reconstructionist movement is that we believe that the church alone is responsible for bringing in the kingdom. I actually remember hearing uh, John MacArthur uh, in a scripture critiquing post-millennialism. He actually said, post-millennialism, quote, this is a quote, post-millennialism aims to capture the institutions of men. We capture the government. We capture the Congress, the Senate, the presidential office, the judicial system, and we take control of it all. And we bring in the kingdom through the body politic. As a church, we need to mobilize. We need to spend millions of dollars to capture the airwaves and the media and the newspapers. And we need to get all the places of influence and the universities. And we need to, to, we need to be the educators. And we'll literally take over society and we'll make it Christian. We'll take control of the cultures of the world. And then when it all gets into our hands, we'll give it to Christ. The post-millennialism or that's post-millennialism, that the church becomes the agent that brings the kingdom. Okay, so a lot of what he said I agree with, that that is what post-millennialism is. Um, but his line here that he says, and then when we get it all into our hands, we will give it to Christ. That's ridiculous. Um, that's a, that's a I, I love MacArthur. You know, I got a picture of him in my office. Um, but that is a, uh, a false perspective. Um, and what, what we're really saying is that Christ is working through his people to gain those things by the faithfulness and proclamation of the gospel. Um, we don't just say the gospel and then live our private unchanged lives. No, we materialize that gospel into, uh, every aspect of our life. Um, and so, yes, we want... Christ to be the dominating influence in every area of society. Uh, he is king of kings and lord of lords. He's the king of your state and your town and your city and your home. Uh, there, you know, I think it was, a, what is it? Uh, Abraham Kuyper, right? It, you know, there is not one square inch of the entire universe where Jesus uh, does not say, mine. Uh, he owns it all. And, and so, Again, the church does not accomplish this on her own. Uh, when it comes to the relationship between Christ and the work of the church, there are, again, two ditches that we can avoid, and I'll talk about them just briefly. Uh, the ditch of social justice, which I think is what MacArthur was kind of leaning towards. It's the idea that the church can restore the world through good works without Christ's power. Um, this is to believe that the body operates without the head. Um, this is the critique that um, I think he was really heading at. Um, number two, the ditch of Christian social pacifism. Uh, it's the idea that the church can't restore the world and we must wait for Christ to do it all for us. Um, this is to believe that the head operates without the body and is generally the position that I think is held by most people in America. Um, you know, at least that if you have a pessimistic eschatology, Again, pessimistic, it's, it's, a, it's a theological term. It means that you believe that things are going to get worse before Christ comes back. Um, I believe that things are going to get better before Christ comes back. And so the first believes 
that the body can restore the world without the head. The second is to believe that the head restores the world without the body. Now, as we know, uh, the orthodox view is that the head and the body are united. Um, the head directs and the body executes. Uh, the body cannot operate only as a head or only as a body. And so 1 Corinthians 12 says, uh, quote, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So again, there is union, not stark independence. <clears throat> Christ, uh, as the head, does not um, work um, independent of the body, nor can the body operate independent of the head. I mean, think about this. Um, how are they, you know, how are they going to hear? Well, they need a preacher. Um, you know, every, <laughs> outside of these stories, uh, which may or may not be valid, of Jesus saving people through dreams or miraculous um, elements, you know, the normative reality for Jesus saving people is through the body, right? It's, um, you know, a Bible that was printed by a person from the church and handed to them by someone from the church or a preacher uh, sharing the gospel. And so um, Christ redeems the world by the gospel through the church. And so Christ, the head, works through his people, the body, uh, to subdue the nations by overcoming his enemies uh, by the proclamation of the gospel, by the mouths of his people. Um, again, Romans 10, 14 through 15. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Uh, how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? So <clears throat> the work of the church is the work of Christ. Uh, if the church loses, then Christ loses. Uh, there is no paradigm in scripture where the church can lose and Christ can win. Uh, the church's victory is inherently tied to Christ's victory. Um, and when you've overcome sin and death, um, like Jesus has, you guarantee victory. When you, you know, when all authority has been given to you in heaven and on earth, you guarantee victory. Uh, when the gates of hell cannot prevail against your church, you guarantee victory. And this is really the main point, and I'll close with this. Every Christian has a victorious Christ. Uh, but only under the post-millennial view can you have a victorious church. And that is really my point. You can't have a victorious Christ and a, and a failing church. You can't have a victorious church and a failing Christ. They, they, they rise and fall together uh, like a head and the body do. And so hopefully this is helpful. We'll get back into more eschatology as we jump into the next episode. Uh, we'll touch on the rest of pessimistic eschatology. We'll move on to some more optimistic thinking on how um, God moves through time according to the word of God uh, regarding end time events. Um, and so on that note, thanks for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. Uh, my name is Dale Partridge. Um, you guys can please consider leaving a review uh, before you go and you don't need to write anything. You could just tap the stars and the stars, it's a small thing that actually really helps a lot getting more exposure for our show. And, uh, and lastly, just a quick reminder, just because it's, it's launch week, check out the ReLearn app. You can also just download it if you want to in the app store and uh, look at all the content right there before you even subscribe. Um, so we'd love to have you and have your support there. Again, thanks for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. We'll see you guys next time. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Also, would you consider leaving a review? You don't need to write anything. Just tap the stars in your podcast app. But if you would write a review, we will read it. Real Christianity is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, and of course, at relearn.org. You can also follow along on social media. Just search for relearn.org or Dale Partridge on just about every social media platform. Lastly, if you feel led to support our ministry financially as we fight to bring the church back to the Bible, you can always do that at relearn.org forward slash donate. 